0: Support for To The Point comes from Bausch & Lomb.
1: Beautiful and healthy looking eyes, it shouldn't be a compromise. Lumify Eye Illuminations, developed by the experts at Bausch & Lomb exclusively for the sensitive eye area. To cleanse, nourish, and brighten. Lumify Eye Illuminations, only in the eye care aisle. Ocular Surface Disease. It's complex, chronic, and progressive, but rife with opportunity for the enterprising optometrist.
2: The mission of this podcast is to make this condition more understandable and accessible to those interested in specializing in it. So let's get to the point. Welcome to another episode of the To The Point podcast. My name is Jackie Garlick, and I am joined by my co-host, Leslie O'Dell. And we are here today to talk about our glaucoma patients and the potential OSD complications of their glaucoma medications. To better educate us on this topic, we brought in everyone's favorite Midwesterner, Dr. Justin Schweitzer. Dr. Schweitzer is an adjunct clinical professor at ICO and Kentucky College of Optometry. Dr. Schweitzer is a national leader in glaucoma, anterior segment surgery and anterior segment pathology who lectures to his colleagues nationwide. He is a member of several industry organizations, has held many leadership positions within them and is the current president of the South Dakota Optometric Society and is involved in community eye care initiatives. He currently serves as chief medical editor for Modern Optometry and is the optometric externship director for ICO Advanced Thompson Vision. That was a very abbreviated bio, but there's so much more to say about you. Welcome, Justin. Thanks for joining us.
0: Oh, great. Well, thanks so much for having me. Honored to be here. Uh, Excited to have this discussion with the two of you.
2: Um,
3: so we wanted to really just, you, you know, pick your brain because we know, um, you know, how much you do in the space with um, glaucoma management, now with MIGS, and then also just your efforts in preserving ocular surface for your, your surgical patients, even as they go into cataract surgery. So we thought, who better to bring on, you know, than you. So um, we're really excited to to hear what you have to say. Um, just a little bit of background for, for myself, too, is... Um, You know my career kind of started heavy in glaucoma. I worked for a surgeon that was doing a lot of refractive cataract surgery so quickly I learned a lot about dry eye in a short amount of time. Um, And then what's been really exciting over the past several years is actually to see glaucoma specialists. Um, Both optometric and ophthalmology specialists, you know, embracing the ocular surface and taking a proactive approach in preserving the ocular surface um, for those patients. So, um, you know, tell us a little bit about, you, you know, you and also, you know, how you view the ocular surface when you're challenged by this chronic disease of glaucoma.
0: Yeah. I mean, so in my practice, uh, I'm in a tertiary care center. Everything that really comes into me, I always say is they're, they're really not my patients. I work with colleagues in the community. A lot of times they're either, you know, seeking another opinion about the glaucoma that we're dealing with, or it's surgical cases. A lot of it's surgical cases, preparing patients for minimally invasive glaucoma procedures, uh, other types of glaucoma procedures. And I would argue, and I believe that, you know, I think, Right now, if you think about glaucoma and the ocular surface, and, and I agree there's a lot of discussion around and it's good, it's a, it's a good thing that this is happening, uh, that most of our glaucoma patients, their quality of life is not being affected necessarily by that small nasal step they have or the small visual field defect they have, but it's being affected by you know, the ocular surface and, and, and what they're putting in their eyes. And by no means do I want to sit here and be hard on drops because drops, I utilize them every single day. They're a very important piece of what we do. But there's definitely a quality of life issue involved with glaucoma on the ocular surface. Very rarely do you have patients come in and complain about their vision due to glaucoma. They come in complaining because of the way that their eyes feel. And so if there's a way to minimize medication burden, not rid people of them, but minimize it, then I think that's got to be the mindset that we have.
2: What are some of your first steps? So let's say that you have a patient with a lot of OSD that is a glaucoma patient. Are you still... Leaning towards a drop as maybe a first line therapy, or do you think SLT? Like, what's your thought process in those cases?
0: So, I think it depends a little bit about what they're on and how many medications they're on. You know, for me, if they come in and it's someone that, you know, is having some issues, or I identify some issues with their ocular surface, and I believe that's part of it, the goal is how do I minimize that? I think you're spot on with that. I think SLT is a great option. Uh, So, I'll offer that to them. We have an option to do SLT, maybe minimize some of the medications they're on. I've really loved in that patient population, considering glaucoma drug delivery now, Uh, we have one on the market called Bimatoprost SR. And I think of it like a drop holiday with this particular uh, technology. It's not going to be probably a long-term thing for them right now, as indication for it is only a one-time use, but it's a small pellet that we can put inside the eye. It's delivering a medication. I know the patient's getting it. And then I could take them off of maybe a medication or two, and then attack the ocular surface with whatever I need to, whether it be immunomodulators, whether it be some MGD treatment, whether it be some topical cortical steroid. But I call it a drop holiday, so they get a break from that medication for maybe six months, maybe a year, and just a a pause to be able to get the ocular surface prepared, ready to go, and to then come back afterwards with something else. And we may go to something that's preservative-free, we may go to something that's BAK free, but very likely they're still going to need something. But I think those are two different scenarios that I really think about SLT, glaucoma drug delivery, on those initially diagnosed patients that are maybe struggling with topical therapy.
3: So with Darista, you know, I feel like I was sometimes struggling a little bit for patients that were monotherapy with um, MGD in particular, because we know there is a correlation between. PGA plus BAK with and gland dysfunction. So with the introduction of Darista, for me, it's been a great way to do exactly as you said, give the patient a drop holiday while I can focus on gland health. And then, you know, after that pause and we hopefully improve gland quality um, and function, we can reintroduce medications and keep a close eye on, you know, if that's going to continue to, to be an issue for the patient.
0: Yeah, it's really been a nice are still in the toolbox now that we didn't have before. And I'm a big fan of SLT. You know, I'm also a big fan of thinking about some of the medications out there that we have some preservative-free options that could be compounded. Um, you know, Impermis Pharmaceuticals does that. We have BAK-free drops as well now, um, with Sun Pharmaceutical having a BAK-free Latanoprost, And I think we also have well-tolerated prostaglandins. Four years ago, there was the launch of, you know, Latanoprost bunad, you know, which is called Visalta, which you know is a very well-tolerated prostaglandin once a day, that when you look at its safety profile, really only about 6% of patients get you know ocular or, or a conjunctival hyperemia from it. So I do think we have a lot of different medications that we still can consider for our patients from a topical standpoint, but I'm still a fan of SLT drug delivery and obviously I'm a big fan of, of minimally invasive glaucoma procedures as well to reduce that burden.
3: So I've been hearing a lot about the compounded medication. Um, Is tell me what's available there, um, you know, and how easy is it for doctors to get that option through Empress?
0: Yeah, really easy to get. I mean, it's just a a a simple form that you fill out. You place the order. You contact that company. Uh, You can get a variety of different combinations of agents. There'll be some combinations of a prostaglandin beta blocker. You can get a combination of a beta blocker. CAI, prostaglandin, and you can get all these different real combinations that they have available. They're all preservative free. And you know, you dose them typically if it's just the prostaglandin, you would do it once a day. The combination agents, a lot of times you're doing it twice a day. And I will not sit here and say that's my go-to first-line therapy for, for patients, but when I think about it, I think about it, these patients that are having ocular surface disease issues. I still want therapy, I still want ILP lowering effects. And it's just an outside-the-box thought for your patients that maybe need a break from those preservatives, uh, and you still get some efficacy and really good efficacy from these in my clinical experience with them.
2: This is a good example, actually. So um, I'm in Massachusetts, and up until recently, we did not have any um, privileges to treat glaucoma in this state. So the practice that I had joined had, had and, and still really does, has very few glaucoma patients. But this is a good um sort of i don't know point is in terms of growing a a practice i mean if you can even work with glaucoma specialists because i mean do you feel like that i mean you're a little bit different justin cuz you're in this like you know tertiary clinic clinical setting but do you feel that something glaucoma specialists are very aware of the ocular surface i sometimes feel like they might wanna blow past the ocular surface and just kind of get into the nerve and see what's going on there but you know they're certainly they're gonna hear about it from their patients if they're upset. And even if you are an OD that isn't doesn't have a lot of glaucoma patients, you could even, you know, sort of collaborate with the glaucoma specialist to say, I can help your ocular surface disease patients.
0: You know, I think that's a great point. You're able to, you know, kind of build your practice through that piece because there's really probably not a glaucoma patient does that doesn't have some sort of of at least mild, dry, higher ocular surface disease. And I don't want to say that they overlook it but I think if you look at the sheer numbers that optometrists have really embraced treating of the, the ocular surface and I'm looking and I'm basing that off of just prescriptions written correct and to be fair you know ophthalmologists they're in the operating room a lot they have a lot to focus on from a surgical standpoint and I do think that optometrists have embraced treating the ocular surface more so than what ophthalmologists have and that's not you know to to say that there's not some focusing on it i just think when you look at again the sheer numbers we're 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 embracing that i also think that we as optometrists you know need to remember that we're the primary care providers for these patients a lot of these patients are with us the majority of the time and so for me for example if i have a patient that's come in that is referred in from a colleague an optometrist in our community i'm going to see them you know maybe once maybe twice and maybe they just started a medication. Well, if they just started a medication and, and I'm there there for a second opinion, I'm not going to see any ocular surface issues most likely. They've only been on the medication for six months a year and that patient's going to go back to, to my colleague in the community. we're the ones, the optometrists that are in the trenches that are seeing these patients that have been on medications for five, six, 10, 20 years and that's really where the ocular surface disease from glaucoma, starts to really present itself. And so we just have to be prepared to manage that. And we're going to see it a lot more often, in my mind, than what our counterparts in ophthalmology are going to see it.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree there. I think, um, I, I mean, I'm just thinking about this from my practice standpoint, but I'm thinking, oh gosh, this would be a great practice builder to sort of reach out to these glaucoma surgeons who are maybe not as into treating um, ocular surface disease, but you're right. And I think that's a, that's another another thought I have when you were talking about this is You almost, yes, you're referring a patient out, but you really are the person that's managing the whole case, you know, and even if you're doing a referral, like just because you refer doesn't mean that someone else is monitoring their ocular surface. So, well, I think,
3: I think just from my, you know, my time working in an integrated practice, I sometimes felt that we were the dumping ground of all the problems, even though, you know, maybe a patient was getting sent in for cataract surgery. You know, there were lots of other things that then we were expected to sort of manage. And I, I think, you know, becoming the gatekeeper for your patients is going to elevate our profession and also help alleviate some of the strain that this, our surgical partners are feeling. Um, and I, But I do think it's a great way to, you know, introduce yourself. Jackie, you know, to your glaucoma specialist, especially because now you do have the ability to treat in your state, um, and then also say, I can not only manage when things, you know, I can not only manage when things are not surgical, but I can also help optimize the ocular service to keep patients adherent to medications. I mean, that's a big reason why, right? These patients um, fall off drug use is because they're not used to a medication that they're taking, hurting or making their eye red. And so naturally, once you start that, they think immediately they're allergic or something's wrong. And they come in and say, either they don't want to take it anymore, or sometimes they'll come back and say, I stopped it because my eye is red. So just being able to, to do that, I think will really help grow your practice now that you can focus on glaucoma. I think not only the preservative systems, you know, but even when you're choosing your active meds, right? You know, timolol being a beta blocker, when we're looking at beta blockers, we can actually decrease aqueous production for, for patients. So maybe not a great fit on somebody that's already got a low tear meniscus height or somebody that you're thinking is already an aqueous deficient type of dry eye, you know, thinking about monotherapy. And and now you're absolutely right. We've got so many great options with alternate preservatives, um, preservative free. Um, and it's exciting to see SLT come into the fold as um, recommended as a first line therapy. You, you know, so a lot of times I'll start a patient. I'll kind of see how they're doing with a drop and then quickly introduce the idea of something that's, that's a drop alternative. What about, Justin, when you're you're kind of in that mild to moderate patient? You know, a lot has changed with this minimally invasive glaucoma surgery, and I know you do a lot of that co-management in your practice, What and I know we can get some drop reduction there. So maybe just tell us a little bit about how that landscape's changed, especially as it pertains to our cataract patients versus standalone, not needing cataract surgery.
0: Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, minimally invasive glaucoma surgery is is definitely an option for a variety of different reasons. And I think the new mindset, and it's a mindset that's been around for a bit, is this interventional glaucoma mindset. And that terminology or that term can be kind of looked at in a variety of different ways. Number one, interventional meaning intervening earlier in the disease process. So our mild to moderate glaucoma patients not allowing patients to go from mild to moderate all the way to severe. We have safer surgical options, and that's really MIGS. But the other way that I think of interventional glaucoma is intervening when there's quality of life issues or ocular surface disease issues or, or patients are suffering from maybe taking too many topical medications. And I think something to comment on before I jump in that is it is a matter of how many medications patients are taking typically. I mean, patients that are on one medication, a lot of times will do pretty well you know, not only from a compliance standpoint, but from a comfort standpoint, it's when you start piggybacking meds upon meds upon meds. So, you know, in my practice now, I kind of think of maximal medical therapy as just two medications. We have enough different medications out there that it's very rare. We need to go beyond two. And, and if we need to go beyond two, I like to start thinking about MIGS procedures or SLT or or things like that. And I use SLT as a standalone or excuse me, first line agent as well. I just think Gone are the days or should be gone are the days that we're throwing patients on three medications unless there's someone that already has advanced disease that already has exhausted a lot of other options that are out there. So when I think of MIGS, you know, cataract surgery in mild to moderate glaucoma, if a patient is being referred to a cataract surgeon and they have glaucoma, they should be getting a MIGS procedure in combination with it. The data supports it. We're not adding any risk to the cataract procedure by making that recommendation. And that should be done. In the standalone world, and I think this is really what we, you know, what this is about and what your question's about is, you know, say you have a patient that is not progressing, but they come in and they're on multiple medications and they're complaining because their friends are complaining to them how their eyes are red, or they're complaining because when they put the drop in, it burns or it irritates them. You know, that's a situation where number one, very likely that patient is going to be eventually progressing because we have studies and data that shows that patients with side effects versus no side effects from their topical medications progress much more rapidly. And so it's always a tougher decision to recommend an inside the eye surgery for a patient when they're not progressing, but we really have to consider it when there's a quality of life issue happening. And we have a lot of good standalone procedures that we could consider, and we know from all these studies as well, that by doing one of these MIGS procedures, we are going to reduce the medication burden. It may not be taking patients that are on three medications to zero, but a lot of times we could take patients that are on one medication to zero or two medications to one, and that's only going to improve compliance and it's only going to improve the ocular surface as well.
3: I saw some really interesting statistics around this, that when we're thinking about MIGs in just our cataract patients with glaucoma, that we're only really reaching about 15% of our patients that have that possibility, but when you When you see what's available in that standalone space, when your patient doesn't need to be having cataract surgery in combination, it really opens it to about 85% of patients that we now can be looking at as a possibility. So definitely MIGs are the future of our surgical management, no doubt. We've seen that growth even over the past several years. So that's, you know, exciting just to see what impact that's going to have on our patients for sure.
0: Well, we know that there's not a lot of quality of life studies out there, but I'll, I'll share with you, you know, I did a very small pilot study and I don't think this is going to blow any, my, anyone's mind on this study, but, you know, we, we did a study, uh, you know, a colleague of mine, Dr. Whitney Hauser, who you guys obviously know very well in, in our practice. So it was a two center practice. And all we wanted to do was see, you know, what if we did a MIGS procedure in combination with cataract surgery? How did that affect patients' quality of life? And so we had them take an OSDI before the surgery. And their OSDI was 40.1. There are about 50 patients in this study. So that's the severe level in the OSDI. 33 to 100 is severe. They underwent cataract surgery plus a MIGS procedure. At three months, we had them retake that OSDI. And we also looked at conjunctival and corneal uh, staining. We looked at hyperemia. We looked at tear breakup time. What we found out was that the OSDI went down to 17.1. So not normal, but a lot better and almost normal. We saw a 49% increase in their tear breakup time. We saw a significant reduction in conjunctival and corneal staining. And we also saw a significant reduction in conjunctival hyperemia. And to no one's surprise, their medication burden went from one and a half medications down to a half. And very likely, that's why we saw all the improvement in this particular study. Now, a short study, only three months. I would love for someone to do a two-year, five-year, ten-year study study doing the same thing to see if those quality of life issues maintain over an extended period of time. But even in three months, it did tell us a lot that MIGS can help with quality of life issues on top of helping the ocular surface.
3: That is awesome. And there you go, Jackie, you just said, what should we be doing research on? He just gave you your, um, your project for the next couple of years. (laughs) Yeah,
2: there it is. You know, in terms of, um, I was just Googling this because I couldn't remember, but Inovia is a company that is working on really a different sort of eye dropper. Have you seen this? Have you guys seen this? I I thought that they were working on something um, for a glaucoma medication. Maybe Justin, you know this better than I, but that's another sort of interesting uh, different drop delivery in terms of uh, lessening the toxicity of the drop. So it's a a micro-sized eye drop that sort of uh, it's like almost like a spray on the cornea and 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 dissipates kind of on the cornea. but the the drop amount is is significantly lower than a normal drop bottle. So I think that that, that the, the the story is heard that people are having corneal toxicity and even a standard eye drop bottle is is really old school now. Like that hasn't been updated for a long time. So Inovia is a company that's working on that, which I think is kind of cool. Do they have something for glaucoma justin? Am I right about that?
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. It's a microdose latanoprost. That you know the advantages of it, like you described, it, it's preservative free. It's a small amount of medication. I think that's the beauty of glaucoma drug delivery in general, and it's something I'm very excited about. You have intracanalicular plugs that are being looked at that releases preservative free drug. You have the inside the eye things we already talked about. Mometasone SR. You know you have a variety of different types of glaucoma drug delivery that's coming. It's a huge market. But a lot of it is small amounts of medication, as you mentioned, and a lot of it's preservative free, and so that's going to be super helpful for the ocular surface, but also from a compliance standpoint with these types of delivery systems.
2: It brings up one other thing about drop size, which is nano dropper. But you know, there's a there was an article probably a year or two ago that was even like mainstream media on this eyedropper size. This was like a, I read it in NPR, but. It's just it was talking from a cost perspective was this is like people are just wasting away like all of these really expensive drops. But, you yeah, so know, people people have heard. With nano dropper, you can attach that to any of the glaucoma
3: bottles that your patient's on. And it gives them basically a microdose, which is all they need and really saves some of the, you know, adnexa changes that you see. If you watch a patient put drops in, sometimes they flood the eye. It's all over the skin around the eye and they might not wipe off that, which it's not intended to be on the skin around the eye. So sometimes redness or or physical changes that we see to the surrounding tissue, we might be making better just by eliminating that overflow.
0: It's a great technology. I'm utilizing it in our practice. Um, It's been really nice for patients that maybe you really want to keep someone on this specific brand of medication. Their insurance may not be covering it, whatever it may be. It's been really nice. It preserves a little bit more of the bottle, but You'll be seeing shortly and my understanding is that american academy of optometry they're going to be presenting some data around you know efficacy which they already have a little of that already showing that you're not losing efficacy they're going to present more of that and they're also going to be probably and i believe i'm understand this correctly some data around the the ocular surface and 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 how it can help in that regard as well
2: that's a that's a good i was actually going to ask you that justin because i when i first brought this up to a glaucoma specialist he was like yeah, but like, is there any studies that this is actually going to work as good as what my right like all the studies are on a regular bo- bottle size, you know, dropper size. And so I know there was some concern initially. So that's interesting. There's going to be some study, uh, study coming out about that. It's great.
0: It's a fair question. And it's a question I think we've all asked and, and want to know. And, and they do have a, s- a small study right now that you can find, but there's more coming is my understanding, which I think is important.
2: Justin, thanks so much for joining us, this was great. Thanks for uh, taking the time with us today.
0: Oh, it was a great time, thanks for having me.
1: And now for the To The Point Wrap Up. We've learned from tfas News 2 that iatrogenic dry eye is a big concern when we're treating our dry eye patients. This comes in many forms, surgically induced and also topical medications. Something for us to think about when we're seeing our patients with glaucoma is their chronic use of medications. We've learned from this episode ways to help identify ocular surface disease in our glaucoma patients, as well as ways to help treat the ocular surface a little better by changing out preservative systems, changing out active ingredients, or rethinking glaucoma altogether and pushing for interventional management of the disease with things like MIGS and SLT. Just remember, when we're treating glaucoma, the ocular surface is under attack and you want to work hard to preserve that. In turn, hopefully your patients will have improved outcomes.